Since letters are the earliest and most common kind of document in the New Testament, it's important for us to feel competent in reading them. And so before we hear today's second scripture lesson, which is the first few lines of the Apostle Paul's letter to the church he'd established at the city of Corinth, let's decode its initial structure. First, an epistle's opening seems odd to modern ears. Instead of dear blank, letters in the ancient Roman world started by identifying the sender. Now, interestingly, emails and texts do this today, even if letters still begin dear blank. Only after identifying the sender did the ancient writer name the recipient and offer them a greeting. And then, before launching into the business at hand, Paul typically detoured into some message of thanksgiving. It's kind of like he's saying, but first, let us pray. That's as far into this letter as we'll go today. Identify the sender, identify the recipient, extend greeting, and offer thanksgiving. But Paul packs a lot into these opening lines. Two things to listen for. First, know that in this passage, every use of the pronoun you is actually the ancient Greek y'all. And second, enjoy all the references to God's activity in individual lives and in the life of the community. This is the first chapter of Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, beginning with the first verse. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours, grace to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given to you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched in him, in speech and knowledge of every kind, just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. God will also strengthen you to the end so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By God, you were called into the fellowship of God's Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. This too is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Did you catch that last bit? God is faithful. By God, y'all were called into the fellowship of God's Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Every time I read that, I am caught by that direct phrase, God is faithful. And then the immediate elaboration on it. By God, y'all were called into the fellowship of God's Son. For those of us who ruminate on human faithfulness toward God, it's good to have Paul pointing out the far greater matter of God's faithfulness, the fact of it, 
the manifestations of it, especially given that we sometimes doubt it. God's faithfulness is a primary theme of the, hum of the Hebrew Bible, those scriptures that Paul knew so well. To this very day, a foundational concept of the Jewish faith is that God is faithful. Think of all those passages that tell and retell the great story. God heard the cry of the Israelites enslaved in Egypt, and God saved the people, leading them out of bondage through the wilderness and into the promised land. God is faithful. The cultural memory of God's past faithfulness becomes the reason for hope in God's future faithfulness. God acted for justice and mercy back then. God will act for justice and mercy yet again because God is faithful. We hear that faith-based hope resounding throughout the scriptures of the formerly enslaved Israelites and then echoing on into the struggles of formerly enslaved Americans perhaps never more eloquently than in the words of the Reverend Dr. King, whom we honor tomorrow. Read King's writings, listen to King's speeches, and notice how the Exodus story of God's faithfulness was a touchstone for him, much as it had been for his enslaved ancestors a hundred years earlier, and much as it had been for our Jewish ancestors in the faith millennia before that. But for Paul, Evidence of God's faithfulness is of a newer vintage than the Exodus story. And that's helpful because evidence of God's back then faithfulness is all well and good, but as I fend off fatigue and frustration, doubt and despair, I yearn to be fortified by more recent evidence of God's faithfulness. And Paul had that in spades. It's how he begins this letter. He identifies himself as Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. You see, Paul is writing this letter within 25 years of Jesus' crucifixion. So the church still included folks who had ate and drank and tramped around Palestine with the earthly Jesus. Now, Paul isn't one of those insiders. Paul encountered Christ only after the resurrection, and so Paul forever feels the need to assert, I'm called too. No, Jesus didn't spot me on the banks of the Jordan or the shores of the sea, but he stopped me in my tracks on the road to Damascus, remaking my life as surely as anyone else's. And that is how I know that God is faithful. Having long promised us a Messiah, God sent us Jesus I met him, crucified and risen and still on the move. That's the first thing Paul lifts up about himself and about God. God is actively calling unusual suspects like him into a whole new life and using them to create a whole new community. God is faithful. And so, Paul's next point is that not only is he called, but the church also is called. In Corinth and in every place, Paul says, the church is called by God, 
called to be saints. And then, as Paul gives thanks for these saints who, let's be real, Paul is writing to because of how badly they've been behaving, still, as Paul gives thanks for these saints, he is highlighting how God has given them all that they need now and forever. God is faithful. And this tiny, turbulent Corinthian church can know that because God has called them into fellowship, giving them each other so that every necessary gift and all necessary grace is present for them to function as a community of faith. When Paul writes to that called community, he's also addressing each called individual. And the same is true right here. We can know that God is faithful because each of us is called to be part of this community, which is itself called. And because we are each given gifts by God, together we have every spiritual gift we need. That's one of the things that appeals to me about organized religion. Perhaps the thing that has for 30 years managed to drag me into church is the opportunity to be part of something bigger than myself. That's part of what Paul means by the church of God. Because no matter how much I give of my time, talent, treasure, my prayers, my presence, no matter how much I can offer, we can offer so much more. So when I'm feeling fatigue and frustration, doubt and despair, I can be fortified by looking around at the church of God and seeing in each of you and in all of you recent evidences of God's faithfulness. My favorite expression of this found me when I was serving at Oakhurst Presbyterian Church. We were collaborating with Acapella Bookstore. You gotta love a good uh, independent bookshop. We were collaborating with them to co-host author Michael Eric Dyson. As we all worked together to craft an event that would have more substance than a book signing, but less formality than a speech, we settled on inviting local radio host Rose Scott to facilitate a conversation with Dr. Dyson that folks in the sanctuary and folks in the broadcast audience could hear. The evening arrived, the place was packed, the energy was exhilarating. But what stays with me are two things that Dr. Dyson said. One, I'm not going to tell you about. The other is this. Everything you need, you have. And everything you have is needed. Like the Apostle Paul, Dyson was issuing a challenge to individuals and to the community. In today's reading from Paul's letter, every you is a y'all. But in today's gospel passage that Sophie read for us, we witness Jesus calling individuals. We witness a community being birthed from an assortment of individuals. And I think we can sense that God is faithful to individuals 
by calling them into a called community. And God is faithful to the community by calling its individuals. Think of the story Dr. King related of his anguish during the Montgomery bus boycott. He and his wife, Coretta, at this point in their mid-twenties and with one little baby, were receiving frequent death threats and appalling hate mail. In Stride Toward Freedom, King recalled the night when it all overwhelmed him. He wrote, I was ready to give up. With my cup of coffee sitting untouched before me, I tried to think of a way to move out of the picture without appearing a coward. In this state of exhaustion, when my courage had all but gone, I decided to take my problem to God. With my head in my hands, I bowed over the kitchen table and prayed aloud. The words I spoke to God that midnight are still vivid in my memory. I am here taking a stand for what I believe is right, but now I am afraid. The people are looking to me for leadership, and if I stand before them without strength and courage, they too will falter. I am at the end of my powers. I have nothing left. I've come to the point where I can't face it alone. At that moment, King continued, I experienced the presence of the divine as I had never experienced him before. It seemed as though I could hear the quiet assurance of an inner voice saying, stand up for righteousness, stand up for truth, and God will be at your side forever. Almost at once, my fears began to go. My uncertainty disappeared. I was ready to face anything. God is faithful. God gave that individual man the needed gift. And through faithfulness to that called individual, God was also faithful to his called community those who persevered in the civil rights struggle of the 50s and 60s, and those who still cry out to God for justice and mercy today. Haunted by that striving community, I have always resisted the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, because it resolves, Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. And I'm suspicious of anything that's all about me. The Apostle Paul helps me see the interrelatedness of called community and called individual. In ancient Corinth, in modern Morningside, in the church of God, God is faithful giving gifts to each individual in order to ensure that the community has every gift it needs to serve God. Everything you need, you have, and everything you have is needed. Hear the comfort of that and the challenge. God is faithful. Everything you have is needed, everything you need, you have, and you are called, everything you have is needed. Our giftedness as individuals and as a community is just the latest evidence of God's faithfulness, and we are called 
to use it because the world is aching to know about it. Like Dr. King, we are called to stand up for righteousness, stand up for truth. We are a called community of called individuals. And God is faithful. Thanks be to God. Amen.